for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Um, I need to put out a note here. What we're going to talk about tomorrow, is, or today, this morning, is um, it, it is uh, uh, um, um, very, uh, as I say, saucy. Yeah, we're talking about the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. And I'm going to talk about some things that maybe your 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old is not going uh, to feel comfortable with today. And I'm just giving you a heads up. If you have not had the talk about the birds and the bees, uh, this is probably not the service that, that your children need to be in. And I would encourage you before, we're going to pray in just a moment. I would just encourage you uh, take take your kids uh, to the to the kids' rooms. Um, just go out that door straight back and and protect their innocence because I'm kind of not going to hold back this morning. Is that okay? I mean, this, this is kind of like an age 16 and over type of morning, and I'm just giving you a heads up because you know the the Bible says some pretty saucy things. It says some things that that uh, you're like, ooh, that's in the Bible. I had no idea, and it's in there. It's really in there. So just a heads up. So can we pray before we study the Word of God? All right, let's do that. Heavenly Father, let your word come alive in us and, and let it be planted in us and, and, and have deep roots in us and let us be changed by the power of your word and the power of your might. And I pray, God, that you would speak to every heart and that you would call every person into a closer relationship with you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready to study the Word of God? Yes or no? All right. Song of Songs. That's where we're going. Song of Solomon. It's, it's often called, it is the same book, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And I'm going to give you a little bit of history. I told you uh, today's just going to be an, uh, an overview of the book as we're in this series, Frequently Asked Questions, where people would say, hey, what's up with the Song of Solomon? Like, is that supposed to be in there or is it not? And did you know that there were a lot of theologians, a lot of people, when they were forming the canon, a lot of men said, we don't want that book in the canon of Scripture because it's too graphic, and actually it's going to cause people to lust. So if you've never read Song of Songs, you know, when Jennifer and I first got married and we were in service and, and we, were, uh, we were sitting under a pastor who wasn't, well, It was boring sometimes. And so, and, and, and then we had a couple of services, you know, two services, two Sunday morning services, and I'd be just be bored. And so as a newlywed, I would open up the, the Song of Songs and I would read to my wife. And it was, it was great, everybody. It was wonderful. <laughs> Although my wife kept hitting me during the service, like, why are you doing that? You know, stop it. And so I would not encourage you to do that. I'm just saying, hey, everybody, Newlyweds love that book. That's all I'm going to say about that. And all of you older people should, okay? And um, so it, it is very graphic to the point that even now there, there are still theologians that don't know if it should be in the Bible or not uh, because of the nature, the language of the book. Now we say, uh, uh, first of all, what's it mean? Let's write this down. Number one, we're going to go through quickly. And I know this is going to be a lot of information in a short amount of time. But number one, write this down. The Song of Songs it, it literally means it's just the greatest of all songs. It is it, like in that generation of writers, they would say the king of kings 
the Lord of Lords. You know what I'm saying? Now they're saying this is the song of songs. This is the best of the best. It's just the best of the best. And, and most theologians believe that Solomon was the writer, was the author, and was the person in it as well. He is, would be the king, and, the, and then there was a Shulamite woman, and the, the entire song, um, or I should say it this way, the entire poem centers around the Shulamite and the king, the king. And many believe that Solomon uh, was the king mentioned, and he was the writer of it. Uh, now, whether Solomon is the author, that is, you can write this down, number two, that's debatable. It's debatable. So uh, I, I think he is. That's my personal opinion, but that's just an opinion. If you disagree with that, I'm all right with that. I understand it. I've studied it. Uh, you don't have to agree with me, but I think he's, I think he's the author. Um, uh, and, and so you could, you could actually even say that like this. It was either a book written to Solomon it was written by Solomon, or it was written for Solomon, one, one of the three. Uh, no, 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 to, to Solomon, by Solomon, and about Solomon. That's, I'm sorry, that was the third one. It was either written to Solomon, by Solomon, or about Solomon. That's where, that's where most people hang on one of those three. And it is a song, so that, it, that means that everybody, it's a musical poem. It's, it's musical poetry. And, and if, if Solomon, the big thing is, if Solomon is the, is the author of it, uh, or it's, written a, it's either written to him, for him, or, or to him, by him, or about him, then the question is, we know who Solomon was. And that guy had like over 700 wives. You know what I'm talking about? Like he had, let, let's just say this, Solomon knew the ladies. He knew the ladies. And, and a lot of ladies. To say he was promiscuous is an understatement, everybody. And so a lot of people would, would say that this is, this is Solomon at the beginning, before, when he was really young. In fact, most theologians believe this was written while Solomon was really young, before he had all of those wives. And they would also say then Ecclesiastes would be the song, the, the, the poem written at the end of his life that says, hey, remember that song of songs? Like, I should have stuck to that because Ecclesiastes says um, that was all vanity. That was all a chasing after the wind. I thought those things were going to make me happy, but they really didn't. You see it now? And so, so in this, let me t tell it to you like this. Um, the, the wisdom books, the wisdom books, you could say uh, the Psalms was the wisdom of worship. Proverbs would be the wisdom of thought or the wisdom of thinking. Or you could say the wisdom of pursuing wisdom. Um, Ecclesiastes would be the wisdom of life. Like looking back, I realize what's important. And, and Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon's would be the wisdom of love. The wisdom of love. The teaching of love. So number four. Uh, Write this down. Most theologians view this book in one of three rate, one of three ways. It's either the Jewish tradition, and the Jewish tradition, or it would say that this book was really written not about a man and a woman as much as it was about God and Israel, about God and Israel, and how God, throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, God was pursuing Israel, and Israel had a love for Him, but then it faded. Or fa fa um, I'm sorry 
faded and then, and then they would love him again and then it would fade. And, and this is the pursuit of God towards Israel. That's the Jewish tradition. But then you have the Christian tradition that now says, okay, but we're in the New Testament now. So it's obviously meant for us concerning Christ and his church. It represents Christ and his church. Let me say it this way. It represents the bridegroom and his bride. The bridegroom and his bride. And then you have the literal um, tradition, which just means this is about man and wife. This is just about man and wife. Now, what, where, where do I stand with that? Is it about God and Israel? Is it about Christ and his church? Or is it about man and wife? I believe the answer is yes. You No, no which one is it? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, think, I think it typifies what what. Uh, let, let me say it like this. There is no doubt about it that this book goes out of its way to, to celebrate sexual pleasure. Did you know that? That the Bible actually celebrates, act, let me say it this way, that, that, that many would say that this book is actually a promotion of sexual Pleasure. It is God's promotion or God promoting sexual pleasure within the confines of marriage. Do I agree with that? Absolutely. Is it, is it true that this could also mean God and Israel? Absolutely. Or Christ and his church? Absolutely. I, I think we can pull a lot of truths from this. And let me prove this to you as a, as a kid I used to sing this song, and one phrase in it was, many of you know this, his banner over me is love. How many remember singing that in like, uh, remember that? Where is that verse found out? At Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. So we were singing about God's love for us by using the Song of Songs, even when I was a child, even when you were a child, if you grew up in churches like I grew up in. So number five, write this down. The Song of Song addresses whatever your view is, God in Israel, Christ in the church, or man and wife. The Song of Song addresses a courtship, a courtship, a wedding, and a marriage. A courtship, a wedding, and a marriage. And it's very graphic. And sometimes, dare I say, very confusing. Because not only of the verbiage that they use, I mean, I remember reading this as a child and, and it would say the word, you know, he's talking to his wife, but he would say, my dear sister. And I'm like, whoa, that's just creepy. You know, that ain't right. And, and really, we know in, the, in this age, you know, once you study and mature, you know that that term is actually just a term of endearment. It's just a, a term of endearment. And, and so we can pull a lot of truths for our marriage and really our sexual lives out of this book. But we can also pull a lot of truth out of it concerning our relationship with Christ. Meaning, meaning this, everybody. Um, uh, if, you are, if you are part of the bride of Christ, and as believers we are, then that means that God courted us. He pursued us. And we started becoming interested in him to the point that, that there was a wedding and that wedding happened when we surrendered our life to him and entrusted Christ as Savior, and we became his bride, and he is our bridegroom. But now that we've been saved, 
There's an ongoing relationship, and we call that the marriage. We call that the marriage, meaning there's an ongoing relationship between you and Christ. How is that relationship lately? How are you doing in that relationship? Are you, are you still just as much in love with the bridegroom as you used to be? Are you still in, in, in love or even more in love with the bridegroom than, 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 than the day of your wedding, the day that you got saved, the day that you accepted Christ as Savior? Are you more in love now than you were then? And if you're saying, boy, I'm kind of going back and forth, can I tell you that, that um, you're having marriage problems with God and you need some counseling? Where do you get the counseling from? His word and spending time with him, hearing his voice, and in some cases, in a lot of cases actually, by the counsel of others. By other people, the Bible says, encouraging you and building you up in the faith. Everybody see how that works? So our relationship with God our Father was the courtship. Maybe you're in the courtship phase right now. Maybe you've not surrendered your life to Christ, and he's just courting you. He's just pursuing you, and you have some interest there. Do I, do I surrender my life to him or not? Do I connect with him or not? You're in the courtship phase, but many of you, uh, you, you know, are right up to the point or have just gotten to the wedding phase. You just trusted Christ as Savior. And if you've done that, it's time to get baptized. And we'll baptize people on August the 18th outside. We're going to take the baptism tank outside. And it's time for you to be baptized just to show everybody that, hey, I've been wed. I, 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 I attended a wedding. It was my own. When I became the bride of Christ, I'm part of the bride of Christ, and he's my, he's my bridegroom now. I belong to him, and he belongs to me. Do you see how that works? And then, and then some of us have been married to Christ for a long time, and you know that relationship sometimes goes up and down, doesn't it? And we just want it to go up. That's what we're here for, to become passionately devoted followers of Christ. You could say passionately devoted lovers of Christ, lovers of Christ. You say, well, that's pretty strong terminology. So is Song of Songs. So is Song of Songs. It's pretty, pretty graphic terminology. Are you ready to get into this thing? Okay, so, so what I've done is I just gave you a preview, and, and I'm going to... I, I want to say a couple of things that I, I'm going to talk a lot today about just real life applications and, and the sexual nature of this book. And we will certainly end on the, the, the idea of Christ and his church, the bridegroom and the bride. Everybody with me so far? So there's a lot of practical help that this book gives, and, and, and this is where it's going to get a little a little uh, fun. Let, let me tell you, let me say it like this, that as I already said, that this book celebrates sexual pleasure, celebrates it, applauds it. Like God, I know some of you have always been taught that sex is bad. Let me tell you something, sex is great within the confines of marriage. It's a beautiful thing before God. And, and let me tell you something else about this. Um, 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 in, in this entire story, um, there, there are, are no kids in the story of Song of Songs. There's just no kids mentioned, okay? So what you're going to see are, are, are things happening between a husband and wife and not a husband and wife and children. All right? That's a separate lesson for another day. So all you married people need to listen up. All of you single people need to listen up too because this holds lasting effects in your married life. And I, I promise you, you're going to learn some things today. What, what I want to do 
is actually I want to start. I, I realized over the weekend when I was going through these notes, I kind of went out of order a little bit. And I want to go actually to the bottom point. They're not numbered. It's just the bottom verse that says Song of Songs 8-4. Now, this verse was also repeated in uh, Song of Songs 2-7 and also 3-5. So this verse is mentioned uh, three separate times. And, and when you're reading such a short, short book, Song of Songs is only, is only a few chapters. When you're reading this book and there's a verse in there three times, you need to pay attention to that because it's, a, it's an important verse. And it says this, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And it says that multiple times. And let me give you, let me give you what the scripture is really uh, uh, saying about this. I, and I want you to write this down. Um, uh, just let these be the first words. It is the beauty of sex. The beauty of sex. This verse is talking about the beauty of of sex. Now I'm going to tell you some other verses and the beauty behind those verses, but this is the beauty of sex. And the world would say you can have sex. The world's response is you can have sex anytime, any place with any person. And then you have you have churches all across America who know that that's what the world is saying and in order to counter that their their voice in in the world or in their community or in their church is no, that's not the way sex is, is working. It's not, it's not for, for everybody in any place and any time. No, and what they're conveying is sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Well, sex isn't bad. In fact, these verses are saying, in fact, the whole book is saying sex is actually beautiful. It's actually wonderful. And yes, it's actually pleasurable. But there's a design behind it. And the design is this. God says... That sex is beautiful between a husband and a wife. Sex is beautiful, you could say, in the marriage bed. Sex is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. Now, let, let, me, let me talk to you about this. Uh, let me say this before we go any further. What these verses are saying is any sexual activity outside of the marriage bed between a husband and a wife is sinful. Do not arouse or awaken these desires until the right time. That's what it's saying. When you find your spouse, your spouse on your wedding night, that is when you are to consummate the relationship, and that's when you truly become one. And that is a message that very few in the world are, are preaching or teaching. And can I tell you, that's a message that very few in, in the church are actually listening to. Jennifer and I, when we were down in Haiti, there was a young lady that was leading the, our mission team. She was in her lower 20s. Uh, and she was a great lady, just a, a beautiful young lady, inside and out, just beautiful. And, and her testimony, as, as she, we were sitting around the group, and we had like seven teenagers there. And so she, at a moment, said, I just want to talk to the teenagers because actually in Haiti there were more teenagers than there were adults in our group. She said, I just want to talk to the, the teenagers. And I thought, well, I wonder what she's going to say. And she told them, you know, for a long time I was just, I was always the good girl. I was always doing things right, but I wasn't doing it right for the right reasons. 
I was doing it right because that's what my parents wanted. It wasn't because of a real relationship with Christ. But now I have a real relationship with Christ, and now I'm doing it right for the right reasons. And I want you to know that, that I, I, I've never, um, not only never had sex, but she said, I've never even kissed a guy. Because I knew that these guys that were showing interest, they weren't going to be my husband. And why do I need to kiss a guy who's not going to be my husband? And I wanted to stand up and applaud her. Because there's somebody who has it right. Who says, you know what? I know what marriage is designed for. I know what sex is designed for. And I'm going to save myself for my wedding night to give as a precious gift to my husband the, the gift of my body. And it's going to be pleasurable. Can I, can I tell you, uh, one, one of the most beautiful things, uh, uh, one of the most beautiful things is when a young couple just does it the right way. And can I tell you that there are very few people doing it like that anymore. And the Bible is very clear to say, not only in this verse, but we learn it throughout the course of the Bible, that any sexual activity outside of the marriage bed is sinful. Let me say it like this, that God designed sex, and it's beautiful within the confines of marriage. And that's the mark, meaning that's, that's the bullseye. God says, listen, I, I want you to have sex, and not just for procreation. I want, I want sex to be pleasurable, and I want it to be a, between a husband and a wife, and I want them to consummate that, that relationship on their wedding night. And it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful thing. That's the bullseye that God designed. That's the mark. But when we have sexual activity outside of that, we miss the mark, don't we? We miss the mark. All of you people, or all of you guys, girls, singles, if, even if you're in a relationship, and you say, but pastor, I've, I've already gone too far. I've already messed up. I've already lost my virginity. I've, I've, I've already made mistakes. I've already sinned. Can I tell you something? Present that to God. Present yourself to God and say, God, wash me clean. Forgive me of my sin. And make me new today. And when you pray that prayer, God always says yes. And you can say, hey, in this day, his mercy was new. I was made clean. My past is gone. My past doesn't define my future. Today, I am clean before Christ Jesus, and I'm going to walk in purity from this moment forward by the grace and the help and the power of God. I need some people to say amen this morning to that. That's good stuff. Churches across America need to teach that. And let me tell you something, new song. If you, if you have messed up or are messing up in this area, I want you to know that we love you deeply and affectionately. And we will never judge you, but we will call you to truth. And we will lovingly help you overcome issues in your life. We won't look down at you because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're not going to put you down. We're going to love you unconditionally, but I'm also going to point you to the truth. Why? Because I don't want you to miss the mark, because I'm responsible for teaching you the word of God. So don't awaken, don't arouse this until the right time, and the right time is on your wedding night. And trust me, I know it's a beautiful thing, and it's tons of fun.
You know what I'm talking about, right? Jennifer's not here, so I can say that. I won't, I won't say that in the, second, in the second service. That'll just be between us. Okay. Our, how many men, and you better get your hands up, are glad you married a hot wife? Come on. You been, there you go. There you go. All right, all right, all right. You'd be stupid to keep your hand down at that moment. But now let's go back to the beginning. Song of Songs, chapter 1. Now we're at the, the top of those verses. Verses 2 through 4. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Like when I hear your name, oh. have, have you ever, well, of course, I've told you that story. We were on the cruise ship, and that, that waitress kept coming by, and she had on this, this perfume, and every time she walked by, I was like, oh, that's wonderful. And, and then I found out what it was, green Chanel, and then I found out how expensive it was, but I bought it for my wife anyway uh, because it smells so great. Great. Um, just like I was telling that story, like, wow, that just wonderful. She's like the very sound of your name. I, I remember when Jennifer and I were recording, and I would just hear her voice, and it, I would just, I can't believe this lady's talking to me. Like I just, oh, and, and then and somebody would mention Jennifer, and I would just, let me tell you about her. I'm still like that, by the way, to this day. I'm more in love with my wife than I've ever been. I promise you that says, your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Like, how could they not? You're so incredible. Verse 4, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. You know what that means? Yeah. Like, I want to be with you. I want to be with you and only you. And I can't wait for that night. You know, when Jennifer and I were... were um, I, I say courting, but because I courted my wife. I didn't just date her, I courted her. But can I tell you something about that really quickly? This is my opinion. So this is not an app. If you parent differently, I'm okay with that. You're the parent. You, and, and, and please don't be defensive. I'm just saying this is my opinion. This is the way I parent my children. I, I, I tell them, hey, listen, you're a teenager. You have no responsibilities. Have fun. Have a riot. Make great friends. And if you're interested in somebody, a guy, a girl, doesn't matter. I'm great with that. Be interested in them. I don't care. But do that in groups. Just do that in groups. Let, let me tell you a couple of things about that. Sometimes we're expecting 16-year-olds, when they're by themselves with their boyfriend or girlfriend, we're expecting 16-year-olds who are very immature to make a decision that will have a lasting effect on the rest of their life, or to be in a situation of temptation that will affect the rest of their life. And I've, I've just taught my children, we don't place ourselves in situations in which we can be tempted. We just don't. So if, if you're, if you're um, somebody who quit smoking, you, you would never go into a smoker's lounge just to sit there I mean, if you did, it would just be dumb because you might be tempted and somebody will say, hey, you want one, right? They're going to do that. And so we just avoid situations in which we would be tempted. And I, I've told my children, you have the rest of your life to be with your spouse, but you only have a few years 
to live without any responsibility, no bills. Everything is provided for you. All you have to do is your homework and have fun. So just go have fun and do it in a godly way. Have a riot as a, I used to tell teenagers that all the time, have a riot as a teenager. Just, just do it in a godly way. Because your teenage years should have been, they were for me, fun years. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we expect 16, 17, 18-year-olds to make a mature decision that they are too immature to make, or they don't love God enough to make, and then they regret it for the rest of their life. And I would just say, be very, very cautious about that. And I've already been teaching my kids, listen to this, I've already been teaching my, my boys, and my, my girls aren't old enough yet, but I've been teaching my boys, hey, I don't want you to date. I want you to court. That means I, I want you to find, find a young lady that you think is God's gift to you, and I want you to court her to see if that's God's gift to you. I don't want you just to go out casually with her and date her. I want you to, I want you to, to have dates with intention of marriage. And if you're not going to marry that girl, do not date her. And don't kiss her. And don't hold her hand and don't be intimate with her. And even if you are going to marry her, we're going we're gonna to teach our boys some things that you might not be used to. We'll, and this is, a, this is a series for another day. But we're, gonna, we're teaching our boys, when you do find somebody that you think you're going to marry, you need to protect her and, and protect her purity and don't do anything that, that violates the word of God or, or would cause you to have regret. Let, let me ask you this. Boy, I could go on to that because I think parents need to hear it. I think parents need to hear it. If you had a daughter the same age as my son, and my son treated your daughter like the queen that she is, and he protected her, and, and maybe I'm just making this up, but maybe the only thing that he ever did was just hold her hand, and on their wedding day was the first time that he ever kissed her, and she ever kissed him, and they remained pure until their wedding night, you would applaud the fact that I raised my son like I did. But why do we struggle with that? How come, how come I have parents coming to me? Well, I just, I just disagree with that. I just think my kids can date it. Why? why? Why do we struggle with that? It's because the world is teaching something that the Word of God isn't teaching. And the Word of God teaches purity. And the Word of God says, save that moment for your wedding night. And so I realized i got to raise my kids differently than the world raises theirs. And some mom and dad are out there they're going to be so glad that I raised my boys and my daughters the way that I am. That's all I got to say about that. So you can have your opinion, and that's okay. But I have mine, and I think I have a pretty biblical foundation of why I have the views that I have. Everybody see what I'm saying? Okay. You still love me, right? You still love me? I'm just trying to help you. Okay, okay, okay. So let me, let me tell you what this, he's telling him, let, let me kiss, or let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, but your love is more delightful. I, I long for this guy. I can't wait to be with this guy. And I want you to write this down. It is the beauty of pursuit, the beauty of pursuit. 
All you married people, remember when you were pursuing your spouse? It was a beautiful thing. You're like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to be with them. I can't wait to hold their hand. I can't wait to marry them. I can't wait to be with them. I just can't wait. It is the beauty of pursuit. And did you know that that is God's design? It's God's design. In fact, when he pursued us, when his spirit pursued us, that also is his design, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing, the beauty of pursuit. The second thing down, Song of Songs 1, 5, and 6. So we have this moment, and she's going to show some insecurity here. She says, dark am I, yet, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kadar, like the tents, like the tent curtains of Solomon, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. What's interesting here is everybody in America wants to be dark. But people in this generation, they didn't want to, the ladies didn't want to be dark. Because if they were dark, it showed that they were poor and they felt ugly because it meant that they were working in the sun. They were doing things that men were supposed to do. Everybody with me so far? So don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. What, what, this, what the Shulamite woman is saying is, listen, I had to do this job. It was out in the sun, and I don't feel pretty, and my body has been neglected. In fact, she says it this way, I was taking care of the vineyards, but I wasn't taking care of my own vineyard. You know what she's talking about? She's talking about the very thing that she's going to give away to her husband. She's talking about her body. I just haven't taken care of my body like I want to. And there's no reason in the world that you should think I'm pretty. And, and ladies, can I tell you something? When your husband comes up to you and he says, you are so beautiful, would you just, would you just do him a favor and believe him? And I say that with all genuineness, in fact, with tears in my eyes. Because some ladies in this room, you have convinced yourself you are unlovely. And no matter how much your husband tells you that you're beautiful, you call him a liar. If not out loud, at least in your heart. But I, I want to tell you the truth every time, and I tell her this all the time. Every time I tell my wife that she's beautiful, I am not lying. When I say she's the most beautiful woman in the world, she is you might not think so, but I do. And I've told my wife that so many times that she'll, she doesn't say, she doesn't disagree with me now. Now she'll say things like, well, I don't know why. I don't know why. But she knows one thing about me. If I say she's beautiful, she knows I ain't lying. She holds my attention. She holds my affection. Her and I, we have a deal, and I've told you this before. Anytime that I'm tempted to look at another woman, I just look at my wife. I just turn my head and look at my wife. So we're walking down the mall, and I see, I see a woman that, that everybody would say, wow, they, she is gorgeous. And, and, you know, guys have eyes, we know. Girls, you have eyes too. You know what Thor looks like with his hair cut? That's what my wife says, right? <laughs> my wife and daughter think Thor with the haircut is really good looking. They're not blind. They're not, it doesn't, that doesn't mean they're lusting over him. It just means they, we have eyes. And if I see somebody's coming that's just beautiful, I just purposely turn to my wife. And I just give her attention because I want her to know she's the most beautiful woman in the world. And I don't ever want to look at another woman the way that I look at her. And guys, we need to do the same thing. 
And ladies, you need to believe us when we tell you that you're beautiful. And you might not feel beautiful, but when we say you're beautiful, we are not lying. And when we say, and I'm going to be very casual with a statement. When we say you're beautiful, it's not just because we're trying to get something out of you. It's just the truth. Now, some guys might play it that way. And guys, if you do that, you're stupid. Don't do that. All the ladies should say amen to that. Our, our wives are not to be our wives are not to be used. They are to be loved. And the Bible says we are to prevent our, we are to present our wives, Ephesians says, holy and blameless, spotless, without without blemish, without wrinkle to the Lord. So my wife is a gift, and my job is to present her, to say, God, this is the wife of my youth. This is the gift that you've given me. I, I'm presenting her back to you, beautiful, spotless, blameless, pure. So we're to protect them, love them, protect their innocence, protect their heart, protect their mind. Don't use them, love them. Don't use them, love them. So we have here this moment, and it is, you, you could write this down. it's about affirmation. It's about her insecurity and that affirmation is required. And you need to write down the beauty of one another or the beauty of your spouse. So we have the the beauty of sex, the beauty of pursuit. And now we have the the beauty of one another that even when you don't feel beautiful, you really are. Ladies, let me, let, let me help you out for a second. When a man flexes in the mirror, don't roll your eyes and walk away. When he flexes in the mirror or he says, baby, look at this, you need to put your arms around his muscles and say, baby, you've got it going on. That's what you need to say. And I've told you this before, but it's true. You know, when, when, you're, when, you're, when your wife, guys, when your wife comes home and she's just bought a brand new dress, and she tries it on for you, and you know that she just spent $100 on it. You're thinking, where are we going to get this $100 from? But she tries on that dress. She says, baby, how do I look? You're like, girl, if you wear that on Sunday morning, we're going to be late to church. That's what you need to tell her. <laughs> I'm being serious with you. Ladies need to feel good about themselves. And I've learned a long time ago, we have to make investments in our wife. That means every, every guy in this room, you need to open up your wallet to your wife. Now, wives, you need to be wise. And all the men say amen, right? Amen, okay, okay. So we have the beauty of sex, the beauty of pursuit, and the beauty of one another, the beauty of each other. And now the, the last thing I'm gonna talk about here, Song of Songs 5, the beauty of submission. Write that down before we even read it. The beauty of submission. And you're like, whoa, wait a second, what? The beauty of submission. This is great stuff. How many, how many of you are enjoying the, the, the word today? It's good stuff, isn't it? Song of Songs 5, what's this? I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Now, this is the Shulamite woman. This is, this is after they've, after the wedding. This is in the marriage segment, okay? So she's laying down, but she's awake. My beloved is knocking, and he's saying this. Open to me, my sister. That's just a term of endearment. My darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Like, you know what he's saying? He's saying, please let me in. I'd like to be with you. Because I got some thoughts for you tonight. In verse 3, she says to him, 
I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? He's like, no, you can leave it off for all I care. That's what he's saying, all right? But she's saying for me to get up and walk around, I've got to put my robe on again. And I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? And you know what their first argument about in this marriage is? You know what it's about? He wants some, but she's not in the mood. <laughs> True story. That's what that's about. He's saying, he's saying, baby love, I want to come to you. I want to have fun with you. I want to have a night of pleasure with you. And she said, yeah, but I'm already ready for bed. <laughs> already, right? Isn't that what she's saying? And he's even like trying to get the door open and trying to get in there. But then he hears her and he's so discouraged that he actually leaves. And then she's realized what she's done. She's turned her lover away. And he left. And she goes after him. And long story short, she finds him and they get together again. And it's a beautiful thing. It is, it is the beauty of submission. The beauty of submission. The Bible says this and... and um, I've reminded my wife about this a few times, but it doesn't go over well, so guys don't use this. <laughs> that, that I've told my wife a few times, the New Testament says that, that her body belongs to me. So, And you say, that's in the Bible. You need to read your Bible because it's in there. How many know it's in there? Okay, so don't use that, though, in the bedroom. I'm just saying it's not wise, okay? Uh, you'll be shut down. So just trying to help a brother out, okay? But, but I, I do want to tell you something, that as a married couple, that you have an obligation to one another. And there, it is the beauty of submission. And, and I don't, can I tell you something too? The, 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 the marriage bed is pure, it's lovely, it's excellent, it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes though people, sometimes even believers, because we've seen what's in the world and we've seen what the devil has to offer, sometimes they bring perverted things into a very pure environment. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hear the voice of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Spirit. Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep the bear's bed pure. The, the marriage bed is not meant for perversion. It is meant for purity. Hear me. This is the word of the Lord to you. And there are times where you're just not going to be in the mood. And, and, and you might say, I'm going to say something very bold. You're going to say, wow, you're saying that in church? Yeah, it's in the Bible. And we talk about the Bible here. We're a Bible-believing church. And this is something I learned a long time ago, that when I am intimate with my wife, I am not there to please me. I am there so that my wife can have a wonderful experience. And my wife is there so that I can have a pleasurable, wonderful experience. And we are both mutually, I, I don't, I don't, I'm saying this in purity. You understand my heart, right? We are both mutually satisfied. You hear me? But my goal and your goal in the marriage bed is not supposed to be self-serving. It is meant to be loving and pure. I'm just trying to help you out.
How many, just because sometimes I feel alone up here, how many would agree with me that everything that I'm saying, you know according to the Word of God and you know according to the voice of the Spirit speaking into, into your heart right now, that everything I'm saying right now is, is actually true. It really is true. Raise your hand really high. You see that? You see that? It's true. It's true. This isn't, this, this isn't weird. It's just true. It's what the Bible says. And my highest goal, my highest goal is to present my wife to God as, as pure and spotless without wrinkle without blemish to the Lord because she's a gift to me. And, and husbands, your wife is a gift to you. And wives, your husband is a gift to you. You need to honor one another and respect one another. You need to serve one another and submit to one another. We call it, those of us who study the Bible, teach the Word of God, we call it mutual submission. Mutual submission, and that's what the New Testament teaches. In fact, the Old Testament does too. And I promise you, sex is beautiful in the confines of marriage. And for all of, all of you singles out there, just wait. Don't arouse, don't awaken desire before, it's right, before the right time. Just don't do it. Don't do it. It's not wise. It's not pure. And if you do that, you'll miss the mark. Any activity outside of the marriage bed between a husband and a wife any activity outside of that sexually is a sin. It's a sin. But sex isn't bad. It's great when you embrace God's design. So pursue one another. Affirm one another. And submit to one another. And your sexual relationship as a husband and wife will be better than it's ever been. I promise you that. And do all of that, and this is going to be weird, but do all of that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd say, really? Yeah, really. 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 Do all of that in honor of who God is and who Jesus is to you because he pursued you. You became his bride, and now you're married to him. And he's beautiful. And he's wonderful. And it's a great picture. The Song of Songs is a great picture of Christ's love for us. I really believe that. If you received the word of the Lord this morning, say amen. Amen. This is a good word for us, wasn't it? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, how we love you. Oh, how thankful we are that you pursued us and that you called us to yourself and that we can be in, in an intimate relationship with you. What joy that is. And we just want to love you. We, honor, we want to honor you. We want to submit to you for the rest of our lives. And as for us here at New Song Church, as for every devoted follower of Christ in this room who is living for the glory of your name, Jesus, we want you to know that we have made a lifetime commitment to you, our bridegroom. In fact, it's not just a lifetime commitment. 
we have made an eternal commitment to you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving yourself up on the cross, laying down your life so that we could be in a relationship with you. And we honor you today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. Find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ. All you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church slash connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.